since that I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I have not chosen a city to build a temple in among any of the tribes of Israel, so that my name would be there. But I have chosen David to rule my people Israel. My father David had his heart set on building a temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father David, since your heart was set on building a temple for my name, you've done well to have this desire, yet you are not the one to build it. Instead, you, uh, your son, uh, your own offspring, will build it for my name. The Lord has fulfilled what he promised. I have taken the place of my father David, and I sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised. I have built the temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. I have provided a place thereof for the ark. Father, we bless you for your love and we worship you because of who you are. And we want to pray that you give us a life that praises and the life that pleases you and delights you at all times. The people that you've looked at historically back in time in the Bible, and you say that uh, those are people that delight me, especially your dear son, Jesus Christ, whom we want to emulate. Today, I want to pray that you make us a people that uh, move after your own will and delight you in everything that we do. And this is uh, our prayer this morning, that we shall delight you in everything that we do. My friend, there are things that delight the Lord, and this is my prayer for you, as much as you should pray for me. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed and believed. Amen. First Kings chapter 8, verse 16 to 20 is what I've been reading, but basically I will read verse 19 that says, verse 19 that says, um, um, uh, yet you are not the one to build it. Instead, your son, your own offspring, will build it for my name. Friends, we are doing this message on the backdrop of uh, another message that uh, um, was entitled um, The Power of Living a Life uh, That uh, Glorifies the Lord. I think you remember that very, very well. And we saw that Moses, um, rather Solomon, had uh, constructed the temple of the Lord at that particular point. And um, when they went before the Lord, the glory of the Lord descended, the Shekinah glory descended in the cloud. And what happened was that uh, the priests could not even proceed to worship. And that was a glorious message right there. We did it. But right now, today, we are seeing at, uh, at the point of uh, beginning to dedicate the temple, um, Solomon recollects um, issues that led to his construction of the temple. And he alights here and he says that, uh, it was in the heart of his father David to construct the temple for the Lord, but God said no. And God said no and ended up saying, it is your son instead that shall construct the temple. Today I want to talk about a topic that is entitled, Delighting the Lord in His Will or Pleasing the Lord in His Will. Delighting the Lord in His Will or Pleasing the Lord in His Will. Friends, this is a very, very serious and uh, uh, pertinent topic. There are so many of us that are desire to delight the Lord, but sometimes we end up not delighting Him or not pleasing Him. So many. Today we need to learn that to delight the Lord, you need to, to be both right and good. You need to, to be doing a good thing and also a right thing. Um, something can be good but not right. 
<laughs> I hope you, are, you realize that. And uh, eventually that simply makes it wrong. For it to pass the standard of God, it has gotten to be both good and right. In fact, that is where the word righteous comes from. Yeah, that is where the word comes from. Now, what we are looking at here is uh, basically that uh, and David had wanted to construct the temple um, of God for the Lord is God because David was passionate about the things of God. Was that wrong? The answer is no. It was it was good. It was not bad. It was bad. Uh, it was it wasn't bad. It was good. Excuse me. But then uh, we are saying, was it right? No. What makes it right? What makes something right is for it to be in the will of the Lord. That is a very, very important thing in the Bible. Uh, permit me to um, back up a little bit and go to, um, okay, uh, let us uh, go to First Chronicles chapter 22 uh, for us to get to get perspective um, of this uh, scripture so you can get to see uh, what was happening in the life of David and what led to the culmination of uh, the events of temple construction uh, to be overtaken or to be taken over by uh, Solomon. Um, let me read um, First Chronicles chapter 22 and verse 6. The Bible says, Then he summoned his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. My son, David said to Solomon, It was in my heart to build a house for the name of the Lord my God, but uh, the word of the Lord came to me. You have shed much blood and waged great wars. You are not to build a house for my name because you've shed so much blood on the ground before me. But a son will be born in you, eh, to you. He will be a man of rest. Uh, actually, that is where Solomon's name comes from. I'll give him rest from all his surrounding enemies for his name will be Solomon. And I will give peace and quiet to Israel during his reign. He is the one who will build a house for my name. He will be my son, and I will be his father. I will establish the throne of his kingdom over all Israel forever. So you can see that. David wanted to construct the temple, and actually it is him that is uh, uh, giving this narrative, is kind of giving a, uh, an address to these people. Actually, David collected, I would say, about half of the material that was needed for the construction of the temple, especially in terms of gold and silver and precious stone and so on and so forth. Solomon basically had to look for the timber and the rest of the things and then organize the teams and get technical expertise. You remember us looking at a man called Hiram uh, prior to uh, this particular point here, where we are. But you realize that when uh, David got to the point of constructing the temple, God said, no. And the reason was simple. You spilled so much blood, and uh, it wasn't that it was unholy for him to do that. He was fighting the wars of the Lord. But friends, what we get to realize here is that for something to be righteous or to be holy before the Lord, it has gotten to be both good and right. You see that? There are many things that we do that may seem to be good, but they're not right before God. And that, therefore, um, by default, uh, invalidates them before the Lord. When God created the world in the beginning, you get to see that every after a day, or after every day of creation, he would say, and 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 God saw that what he had made was good. Uh -huh. And that was the end of the first day. Like that, like that, until he gets to the sixth day where he says it was very, very good. Friends, um, there is what we call the will of the Lord. 
the will of the Lord. We must learn to seek the will of the Lord in each and everything. And I'm going to be giving examples. I intend to make this message a very, very short one. That is the guidance I have today. It is Paul who writes to uh, the Colossians in uh, uh, Colossians uh, chapter 1 and verse 9. And uh, he actually underscores the essence and the importance of um, discerning and uh, uh, pursuing the will of God in our lives. Basically, you cannot know what God wants and you can't be blessed and uh, until you've understood the will of the Lord. Let me just uh, read that uh, verbatim. Uh, Colossians uh, chapter 1 in verse 9 uh, says here that um, for this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. Listen to what uh, he's praying them for. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, yeah, fully pleasing to him bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, appearing the result of discerning the will of God according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in delight. Let us go back and just get that right. Uh, he says in verse 10, um, okay, in verse 9, he says, for this reason, he's praying for the Colossians. Since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you, this is his prayer for them, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. He says, knowing the will of God comes with wisdom and spiritual understanding, which itself comes out of the fellowship and relationship with God. So what do they get after getting uh, the will of the Lord in all wisdom and speech and understanding? One, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord. We are unable to walk a life that is worthy of the Lord if we don't know his will. That means we are going to be contravening it all the time and doing what we think is right. He says, and you're fully pleasing to him. Eh? You, you, you walk in all manner that is worthy of the Lord. Two, you're pleasing to him. Three, you bear fruit in every good work and you're growing in the knowledge of God. You're being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and perseverance. Friends, you realize this is why our Christianity in our generation oftentimes is very cosmetic. You see? It is very cosmetic. We are not able to walk a life that is worthy of the Lord. We are not able to uh, walk, uh, you know, to bear, to please the Lord. We are not able to uh, bear fruit. We are not able to grow in the knowledge of God, to be strengthened, to walk with power, to walk with endurance. Why? We don't know his will. If you have a husband and you don't know what he desires in his life, you don't know um, how he does his things when he's annoyed and that kind of thing, then you cannot fellowship with them. You cannot have a, a, a proper marriage with them. Friends, there are things that seem to be right when they are actually wrong. And that is what it is. For example, if um, if if I want to, you know, marry a particular girl, as a matter of fact, I'll give this as a testimony. Um, I, I, at some point, I, I I was interested in a particular girl. And I just have to tell you this for you to understand this. And God said, no. I mean, he simply said, no. Beautiful daughter of Eve. I mean, I, but God simply said, no. As long as, even if you're not going to mess with that particular girl, but God says he's not the one, she's not the one for you, there is not going to be peace in there. 
and there are people that are suffering in their relationships and your your source of you know upheaval is not anything else but the fact that it wasn't in the will of the lord for you to get married to that particular person or to marry that particular person for example genesis 2 18 says and god said it's not good for man to be alone i shall make him who a suitable helper you see meaning god has wired you for a particular person that is how it works eh? but if you end up with uh, another person i mean you're going to be mixing oil with water the two are not going to mix oil will remain on or on top i know all the time you you're, you're busy wrestling and you're into uh, a, a barracks kind of marriage a chani chagundi bad the woman the man they're, they're fighting every morning that kind of stuff you see uh, the people of, of that nature when that that is your basically your problem Mm. For example, if I go and do a wrong job, say I work in a bar, that is the job that is available and I'm raising money to take care of my family, that cannot please the Lord and you're not going to get peace. Many of us are devoid of peace because of not pursuing the will of God for our lives. Remember that God has created us for his will, for his glory in Isaiah 43, 7. We are meant to pursue that. Yeah. If I go into corruption and because we are constructing a, a church, and uh, I'm corrupt at work, and I'm uh, ransacking my workplace. And they, you know, siphoning say about 20 billion shillings, and I come and I give a billion into church. Eh? That does not make it right. <laughs> it doesn't, not at all. It doesn't make it right. You see, there are two levels uh, or two dimensions of um, pleasing the Lord. One, there are people that totally walk in righteousness. Yeah, before the Lord. Uh, that is how it comes out. But then there are people who think they are pleasing the Lord, but they're actually not. Why? Because the things that they are doing seem to be good in their own eyes, but they're not good before the Lord. For example, if we go by the, the human will, I mean, you look at a woman and you desire them. You look at a man and you desire them. You think it would be good for you to have them. But God simply says, it's not right. That would be wrong. It will, it will be essentially wrong. So that is what it is. Let me give you two examples here as I wind up. When you go to um, when you go to Numbers chapter 20, and I think it must be verse 10, but you read the whole story from verse 1, the children of Israel in the Exodus go to a point and um, they do not have water. That place is called the wilderness of Kadesh Barnea. Now do not confuse this with the Exodus 17. If you're careful, there is a similar case in Exodus 17, but in Exodus 17 we are speaking of Horeb. Yeah, so you can see that it is quite early in the journey. They are at Horeb, and God tells him, I'm going to stand before the rock. And this is where uh, actually St. Paul makes an inference, and he says they drank of the rock when he's uh, measuring lessons in the desert. So you can see that the two are different. In this particular incident, the other time God told uh, Moses to hit the rock. But here, God is telling Moses to speak to the rock at Kadesh Barnea in Numbers chapter 20. Moses is annoyed by the constant um, and persistent complaints and grumbling of these people. And therefore he's annoyed and he goes in, in verse 10 in uh, Numbers chapter 20. He says, now you rebels, <laughs> shall we get water uh, for you out of this rock? And he hit the rock twice. But yet when you look at the instruction, God told him to do what? To speak to the rock. So you can see that what he did was actually, eventually, right, because the water comes out, but he did it the wrong way. He, he, he did, what he did wasn't something that God 
I wanted him to do. If David had constructed the temple, yes, it would have stood, but he wouldn't have scored anything in the heavenlies uh, simply because um, God was against it. You see that? The second man is a man we've seen recently uh, in a, in a, um, First Chronicles chapter 13, first 9 and 10. There's a man called Uza while transporting the ark uh, of the covenant. They transported it with David inclusive. They transported it on a new cart. But yet we realize that the ark was meant to be carried by the Levites, uh, by the priests called uh, uh, Kohathites. You see? And then God comes and strikes Uza and he kills him. Carrying the ark of the covenant seems to be good on, on, a, on a new cart. It seems splendid. Yeah? Like coming into worship and you're doing these <laughs> seemingly nice dances that we are, are basically propagating from the world and bringing them into church. You're like, we are being cool. We are shouting in church and we are being cool. And ooh, it is interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But, but God looks at our hearts and they're very far from him. And he says, man, that is not right. Even when it may seem good before men. That is basically what we are speaking about. Friends, today, seek the will of the Lord for your life, and you can't know the will of the Lord until you've known Christ Jesus in you, because uh, the Bible teaches that he is the truth of the Lord. He will be able to guide you. Friends, maybe the reason you don't have peace in your life is that you are not pursuing uh, the will of the Lord. You're getting into a relationship with the wrong person. You're doing the wrong type of job. Do you know that it's possible for you to be doing a job uh, that is paying you with six digits, eight digits, and yet uh, God doesn't want you to pursue that kind of job. He wants you to be doing a much more, um, you know, uh, a, a, a much more uh, less paying job. It's possible. I mean, uh, this is why you need to be intimately uh, connected with the Lord for you to discern his will. I'll wind up with a scripture that is uh, in Matthew uh, chapter 3, must be verse um, 17 where the Lord was baptized, and then uh, a voice comes out of heaven, and that was the voice of the Lord Almighty himself, and he says that this is my son in whom I am well pleased. You see, it is the Lord Jesus Christ that basically delights the Lord. We cannot do it on our own because we are fallen, evil people. But when you have Christ in you, um, uh, what actually happens is uh, that uh, you're covered uh, you're covered with uh, um, the grace and love of the Lord and uh, the righteousness of Christ. And then God doesn't actually see you, but he sees the imputed righteousness of Christ upon your life. And then you'll be pleasing like a nice uh, rising aroma before the Lord. Uh, friends, you want to please the Lord? You want to discover his will? Let us walk with Christ intimately. I mean, there are things that are wrong and they are pleasing before man. And I also sometimes get tempted, friend. But let me tell you, the way that you're going to be able to overcome that is uh, to have Christ in you, the hope of glory that is pleasing before God. God looks at you and then he sees Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, he says that he who knew no sin became sin that we may become the righteousness of God. You see? So you become righteous and pleasing to the Lord when you walk in Christ and you have him in fellowship. Let us make it real. When you're walking and you're tempted, you want to take that money, tell him, dear daddy, I'm here. And Christ tell him, my friend, I'm tempted. It's about this money. It's about this girl. But Lord, you can see, just look at her calves. You know, I, I mean, tell him everything. Some of us pretend as though nothing is happening. And some of us think uh, this, this is too much to tell to the Lord. My friend, 
Before you know it, you've, you, you've fallen flat on the ground. Tell him, tell him everything. Luke chapter 12, verse 2 to 4 says there's nothing that he doesn't know. Tell him, Lord, I feel like veering into porn once again. Tell him, Dad, I feel like taking this man and yet I know it's not mine. Tell him, tell him, and then you're going to be pleasing before the Lord. Our friends, that is what he says. He says in a voice uh, from heaven, he said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. You want to be pleasing to the Lord? Have Christ in your life. May the Lord bless you. I pray for you. May you be pleasing at your workplace. It will be Christ to drive you to be pleasing in your family, in your relationship with your wife. It will be Christ to help you. Sometimes it is hard for us men to say sorry, but for us to be pleasing when Christ that died on the cross and lives perfectly is in us. He will help us in every way. May the Lord bless you. If you don't know Christ, you need to welcome him into your life. Tell him, dear Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Come and take control and reign within me. Make me pleasing uh, in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Father, I pray that you will help us to be pleasing before you. And I pray particularly for that particular person that is struggling with that particular thing that is leading them into a life that is not pleasing before the Lord. May they remember their foundation and connection and premise being Christ and let him lead them into doing the right thing today. Friend, you can renounce that and focus on Christ and he will help you to please the Lord. May the Lord bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.